to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, episode 182. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with the owner of Work on Your Game, Dre Baldwin, to talk about the possibility mindset and how spirituality impacts him. Dre shares with us his views on mental toughness and how it is connected to spirituality, along with what keeps him going back to basketball and his inspirations behind his achievements. If you want to know more about how Dre discovered his spiritual path and how it positively impacts one's mindset, then this is a must-listen episode. Are you ready to raise your game? 2021 is the year to increase your performance on and off the field. The Athlete's Edge Journal was designed to cultivate self-confidence and mental resilience through the power of sports psychology. Whether you are a professional athlete, a former college athlete, or have aspirations of greatness in the future, this journal is for you. Visit winthementalgame.com and use the promo code GRANTPAR20 to receive a 20% discount at checkout. Act now to take your mental game to the next level. What if you could rapidly accelerate your team's performance and skill acquisition just minutes before practice or game? NeuroTrainer triggers high-performance states with virtual reality brain training that can be deployed in the gym or at home. In just eight minutes, your team will be more focused and ready for whatever you or the game throws at them. Visit NeuroTrainer.com to schedule your demo and get your team locked in. Trey, how are you, my man? I'm doing great. Grant, excited to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, man, it's, uh, man, like I said, before we, we push record here, uh, with what you have done uh, in your career, your journey, what you're doing for people as far as being in service, impacting their game, uh, man, it's going to be hard to really fit all this in 45 minutes, but I'm going to try. So <laughs> I'm super excited to share your journey, your mindset. And what you're doing to the world, it's not just a particular um, demographic that you're affecting. You're affecting the whole world with their mindset, and you're allowing people to work on their game. So I can't wait to, to share what's inside your mind with my listeners today. Yeah, I feel the same way. So let's get into it. All right, man. Let's do it. So I would say 99% of the stuff that you talk about and that you coach and lead people is about mental toughness. When you think about being mentally tough or just mental toughness, what does that mean to you? Well, the way I define it, uh, whenever I even break down just the whole philosophy of work on your game is mental toughness is your willingness and ability to continue being disciplined, meaning showing up consistently and doing the work and confident, putting yourself out there boldly and your work out there boldly and authentically, even when the success you've expected to achieve is yet to be achieved. So mental toughness, you know, some people may use words like grit and persistence and stick to all of those words you could, with that definition, you could kind of use a lot of them interchangeably. And mental toughness is just about understanding the fact that you don't control most of what happens in your life. You don't control other people. You don't control most of the time circumstances. You can't control things like the weather. But that 1% of life that you do have control over, how much, how much ownership will you take over that 1%, even though it is no quote unquote only 1%. That's what mental toughness is about. Mm, I love it. And, and you hit on something with... You know, when you think of words like mental toughness and grit, uh, resiliency and confidence, they all they all connect. There's a, they all connect. But how important is it when you when you have mental toughness or you want to be mentally tough 
the energy piece because you can you can be confident you can you can be gritty you can choose those responses in in the moment but if you don't have the energy and we're going to tap into your energy because you got tons of it how does someone take care of the energy so they can actually be mentally tough in that moment great question well Grant, first of all, I tell people energy is at least 85% of the job in life. Because even if you have all the tools and the resources, the knowledge, even if you have the toughness, if you don't have the energy to put those put those uh, attributes to work, then you're not going to get the results that you want. So when it comes to energy, it matters a whole lot, not only physical energy to actually move your body, but also mental energy, emotional energy, spiritual energy. All of those energies matter. And when your energy is up, you could even not have as many resources. You could be uh, on the lower end of the resource uh, totem pole, let's say, but still get the job done simply because you have the energy to show up and get it done. And energy itself can help you acquire resources because we all know that to sell anything or to influence or persuade a person, because that's all sales is. It's just a transference of energy. It's a transference of emotion and emotions are a very strong energy. So energy matters a lot when it comes to being able to persevere, persist, be consistent, you know, believe in yourself and to get other people to buy into and believe what you're doing. Man, it's you're speaking the energy gospel there, man. And, and the reason why I think it's huge because I we, we all as performers, athletes, coaches, we all we all want to strive for success. And there's all these things that tie mm-hmm. into our success. But if you don't have energy. If you don't have the amount of energy, you're not cultivating it, you're not sustaining it, you're not taking care of it, recovering all that, man, it, it doesn't matter. It, it really, it, it starts with the energy. And so, and I love it that you touched on the spiritual aspect, because I think there is, to me, the more spiritual work we're doing, um, the more energy and space we're creating for us to actually be great in the moment. So again, but we'll talk more about your greatness, but, um, and maybe this is where we talk about it. When you think about all of the things as an athlete, performer, entrepreneur, when you think about your career, can you share a specific moment where you had to be mentally tough? Like that one moment where it was like defining in your life where you had to be mentally tough. Are you referring to in the business world or sports world? Just whatever comes to you, whether if it is either or. Well, I will start with the sports world because that's that laid the foundation for what I do now in the business world. And it was... Well, many times in sports, so at every level from playing in high school, I only played one year of high school ball. I tried every year, but I only made it one year. Didn't play the one year that I did. The one year I was on the team, I didn't really play. Then in college, I had to walk on, meaning because I didn't do much in high school. So it's not like there were any coaches out scouting for me or anything like that. And that was only Division three level. Then in pros after college and trying to get into the pros, I didn't really know how because there's not a lot of information on how to play basketball overseas. So every time I had to run off of my own energy, I had to be the only person. I was the only person who really believed that I was going to make the team in high school or that it was even worth it trying out again, or that I even had a chance to have a college basketball career, let alone have a professional basketball career. So every time I had to create that energy and I had to sustain that energy to keep myself going, to keep doing things like practicing, you know, working on my game. And just having the belief that it led to the actions of me continuing to look for opportunities and be ready for an opportunity that might not ever show up. And even if it did, well, look, I might get cut again like I did the year before or things might not work out or it might I might play. But, you know, who's coming to a Division three school scouting for a professional basketball player? Nobody. So there were many times when 
it would have been rational and logical for me to just go find something else to do, maybe have fun with basketball, but there was no, there didn't need to be any ambition behind it. So there are many times that I had to make myself have that energy when there was nobody out there. Nobody was calling my phone, Grant, and saying, hey, Dre, let's go work out because, you know, you might get that pro basketball opportunity. That was me driving myself to do it. So all of those periods from age, let's say 16, 17, when I got cut from my high school team the third year in a row, all the way up through when I signed my first basketball contract at age 23. So you're looking at a, a seven year period around where I had to run off my own energy the entire time because there was nobody saying, okay, yeah, you're at this level, but you're probably not going, nobody was telling me I was going to get to the next level, whatever that next level happened to be until I was there. Then when I got there, then it becomes this beautiful story, right? Because I made it, but had I not <laughs> right. made it, then that story wouldn't exist. What was it when you go back? I mean, I, I want to touch on your passion for basketball because if you're trying out, mm -hmm. especially in high school, which those are informative years, those are like you're learning, your body's changing, you're learning social dynamics, a lot of stuff going and you're not, right. you're loving this game and you're not, you're not making the team. And then when you do make right. the team, you're sitting on the bench. So, mm -hmm. What, what what did you love so much about basketball for you to show up every year and what kept you going? Like, was there, a, was there that, was there a certain conversation? Was there somebody that, that helped you and guide you? Uh, well, to answer both of those questions, no and no, there was not a conversation. <laughs> <And> there, was, <laughs> there was not anybody who was helping me and guiding me. It was, it was really just my competitiveness as I'm a competitor. I just, I love the, the act of competing. So even now I don't play sports anymore. I don't play basketball at all anymore. But even when I work out, I still find a way mentally to make a competition out of it. Like I was running this morning, it's five in the morning. There's nobody outside. You know, you're seeing you no know, rats and foxes out here, but I'm still finding a way to make a competition out of it in my own mind. And that's really what keeps me going. So in those times, when the situation wasn't looking good for me, I found a way to compete against the situation. It wasn't even against a person that I was trying to compete. Maybe a person might say something that would frame the situation for me, but it wasn't really against any individual person. It was all about me competing against the situation. I didn't like the way that the reality looked. So I started competing against the reality. Let me change this story. Let me change how this is going to end up. So that was really the thing for me. And what I would just tell, tell myself is I knew that I was getting better. So even though I didn't have tangible results that I could show from you know, where I was going with basketball, I couldn't show anybody, hey, I wasn't on the team last year and hey, look what I'm doing now. It wasn't like that, but I could feel myself improving. I knew I was getting better. I knew I was growing in the game. And because I had started playing the game kind of late, around age, uh, age 14, I knew that I was kind of, I guess, what you call now a late bloomer. So I knew that when my game got better, it would be later than most players who had started you know, at age eight or nine. So I just knew this in my own mind, even though back then I didn't have the language to explain it. And nobody would have wanted to hear it anyway, Grant, because uh, why? Who am I selling my who am I selling it to? It was nobody to sell it to. It was just me out there doing my thing by myself. And again, once I started to create the success, then people wanted to know how I did it. But until I created the success, nobody really cared. And so when we talk about motivation, because we know motivation, there's a lot of perspectives on it um, because it is it is temporary. Mm -hmm. But I, I do believe that we need to understand what our motivation is, like what is what's our why. But I can only imagine throughout your career, you had to or you went through a lot of times where you're motivated and demotivated. So how, how did you, I mean, it seems like you're very intrinsically motivated, right? You, you have this, this competitive spirit with yourself. When you're not making a team, 
especially in high school. Um, and then D three, which still, I play D two football. Um, I think any D of any sport, the fact that you get to play it, it's an honor. Um, it's, an, it's a huge achievement, but how did you keep that motivation going? Like what was, what was it? What kept it going? You mean when I was playing in college? Yeah. Or just in high school. Cause motivation doesn't stay forever. It, it comes and goes, you right. know? And so like, mm-hmm. and, and when you're actually, at least when you go back to high school and you're not making a team, I mean, a lot of people after a couple of years, they're like, all right, I'm done with this, man. Like I'm, yeah, I'm moving on. I'm, clearly I'm not good enough to make it, but you kept on, you kept on being motivated. Yeah. So on a, on a tangible level, the first thing was that knowing I had started late, I could see that I was getting better so I could feel my skills improving. And I think by my junior year of high school, I hadn't made it the first two years, which is not you no know, a really crazy story. There's a lot of players who don't make it the first two years. I knew by my junior year that I had the skills to play that I could play at least at the high school varsity level, but I didn't have the game experience. So I didn't have the experience of actually performing in front of a crowd, you know, in an actual game. I just need to get a little bit more experience, which would have led to more confidence. So I didn't have that yet, but I got that playing like local games, pickup games, et cetera. And then even when I was on the team, I still didn't have that confidence that I didn't have the game experience, but I could feel myself improving. So by that summer, after my senior year of high school, I really felt like I was, I finally felt like a good player. I felt like I could play with whoever and I knew I'd be able to hold my own. But again, high school was already over now. Now I'm going to college and I'm going to have to walk on and play in college. So on a tangible level, I could feel myself improving, even though I couldn't have explained that to anybody. On a, a mental level or emotional or spiritual level, I was, I've always been the type of person who can persist. I can just persist at something probably longer than the average person. Now, where I got that from, I would I would give credit to my parents because they were all about no discipline, no doing your chores, do your homework, do good in school, stuff like that. They were not athletes. I took the same stuff I got from that, you no know, home training, as we call it, and I applied that to sports. So taking that and seeing how I was getting better, because I'm coming up playing basketball in, no, this is the 90s we're talking here. So this is not, I'm not looking on YouTube or Instagram for how to get better at basketball. I was just going to the court and just doing random stuff and hoping that it worked. So I was seeing that it working. So I saw the formula, just come to the basketball courts earlier than everybody else when it's too hot outside for everyone else and just practice by yourself. This was actually working. So seeing that it was working, I figured if I just kept doing it as I get smarter and my body grows and I get better, maybe this will turn into something. So I had decided probably around the age of 16, Grant, that I was going to play basketball for a living. That's what I decided I was going to do. Now, that doesn't mean it was going to happen. And I didn't even know how to right. do it. I didn't have right. any kind of it's not like I had this laid out strategy for how I was going to do it. It was just at each level I had to figure out what do I do next? So I finally made the team in high school, which was at least a little bit of validation. At least I was on the team, even though I didn't do anything. Then to play in college, wherever I went, you know, I didn't go to college. I didn't choose my college based on the basketball program. I chose it based on. You know, I got I went to school based off of, you know, like my academic profile, I guess you can say. But I figured whatever school I go to, I'm going to find a basketball court and I'm going to try to get on the basketball team. Why not? You know, it's only one team. Let's just see what happens. So that was the next step when I was in college. And then in college, my mind was just focused on how can I get to that next level? Let me keep working on my game. I know where the gym is. I know where the weight room is. Let me use these facilities that I have access to. And college, by the way, was the first time I really had access to indoor facilities to train. So let me use these facilities, work on my game. And that was my focus. Like, how, do I, how can I get to this next level? That's what I want to do for a living, even though I have a, a business degree from 
college, I wasn't really focused on using my degree, so to speak. I was focused on uh, how can I get into this basketball world? And then at that time in college, you know, I happened to have a teammate who knew guys who actually had played overseas. And that was just no dumb luck. He knew a little bit about how to get on. He knew he told me about, hey, you go to these events. They call them exposure camps. You pay your own money. You show your game. Hopefully somebody can do something, sees you. And that can be the next step. So I was always kind of looking at what's the next thing that I can do. So one analogy that I've heard uh, somebody say that, you know, if you're in Florida, you're trying to drive to California and I'm in Florida, you're in California. So it's a good analogy is you don't need to see the entire way. Right. If you're in Florida right now, you can't see to California. But if you can see, you know, one mile ahead of you or a few kilometers ahead of you, then you can keep driving. And that's the whole thing with me. So my whole thing was. Can I see what the next step is going to be? So the next step, let me walk on in college. The next step, let me you know, just keep working on my game and get better. The next step, okay, let me identify exposure camp that I can maybe save up the money for and go to. Next step, let me play well here. What's the next step? Let me see if I can get me an agent. So it was always just, what is the next thing that I can do? And that was all I was ever focused on. I knew I didn't have the whole picture up front. And the last thing I'll say here to wrap up this answer, Grant, is that Most of the information that any of us needs to complete the journey that we're on right now, anybody who's listening to this, you probably can't see the entire way there. You're not going to be able to see the entire way there, but all you need to see is the next step. As long as you can take the next step, then you keep going. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you you just said that. I talk about this a lot, that all of us are yearning to to get to to the next level, have success, get a little bit better each day. Mm -hmm. But it's all there, especially, you know, now that there's, you know, the seven steps to this and the 10 steps of that and all the, the you know, the right. internet it's there, mm-hmm. but why, why, why is it so hard for generally uh, society to, to be successful and to fulfill, be fulfilled. And it's because we're not doing a little bit each day consistently for a long time. And it's uh, right. there's a book called the slight edge. I don't know if you're familiar with it, mm-hmm. but they talk about the law of two easies, <laughs> this stuff that work that you and I preach every day, it's actually, it's, in theory, it's easy, but it's really easy to do and it's really easy not to do. Right. And so, and then that's, and it's, it's just allowing that little each day of consistency will get you to the next step that you're talking about. Well, when you think about your journey, and so when you think your whole basketball journey, when mm. you ended as a professional basketball player, like in one word, like how would, how would you describe that whole journey in one word and why? For basketball? Yeah, for basketball. Accomplished. And I would use that word simply because from the beginning, again, people would look at my situation, even somebody who didn't know me would look at my situation and say, okay, well, you can play. Maybe you like basketball. Basketball is fun. It's a leisure activity, but you're not going to go anywhere in basketball. And even people who knew me, you know, the neighborhood that I grew up in, everybody tries to play basketball for a while, but eventually, you know, everybody falls off because they're not making a team in high school or they didn't even go to college, let alone play in college. And eventually people just fall off or natural selection. They just can't get to the next level because they might only be, you know, five, seven and they're trying to be a basketball player. So I felt accomplished knowing that I kept going. I stuck with the game. And even though. Again, my path was not clearly laid out for me at all in any sense of the word. I just stuck with it and I was able to make it happen. And then, you know, a lot of the stuff that I started doing, which I'm sure we'll get into, while I was playing basketball, led to what I do now. So I would the word that I would use is accomplished. I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish in basketball other than playing the NBA. That's the only thing I did do. But I accomplished everything else and right. uh, was able to 
leverage that in my next career was where I'm at now. So we we know this. I, I played Amer- I played football for 13 years and and had the mm-hmm. the the opportunity as a kid to play other sports, baseball, soccer, track, uh, basketball, all that. Right. Um, so we know like playing sport, there's so much that you get from it that's going to help you in life, period. Um, right. So when you think about like, is it su- super cool that the path that you created for yourself, right? Like you've created, like you, you created your own path and you kept on creating it. What do you think you took from sports now that you're an entrepreneur, now that you're affecting not only individuals and companies, we're talking big ass companies, like what do you, what is it as an athlete that's, that's transferred into what you're doing now? And what's that attribute? Man, well, a whole lot of things. So the first thing is <laughs> to get into sports in the first place for me, coming from my particular background, Grant, I had to learn how to sell myself because mm-hmm. I'm not no LeBron James or Kobe where all the agents and scouts are coming to my games and trying to offer me contracts and I get to pick and choose who I want to play for or who I want to sign with. I'm in a situation where nobody's coming to look for me. I had to go look for them. I had to go make myself. I had to go knock on some doors because nobody was knocking on mine. So I had to, first of all, I had to sell myself on the concept of, all right, this is actually worth investing in because I had to invest time. I had to invest my own money to go to events like exposure camps so that I could show my game and hopefully play well enough at a two or three day event that I could extend my career. So this is an investment that I had to make. It wasn't just play basketball and maybe somebody sees you, maybe they don't. I had to put my money up. Secondly, I had to, even after I went to an exposure camp and played well, I had to find a basketball agent because again, no agent was coming to me. So I started Googling. This is what I was doing this in 2005. Just so people give people a timeline. Internet existed, but Grant, you know, the internet, it wasn't anything like it is now. It wasn't as easy to find people and it wasn't, we didn't have social media apps or anything like that. So after I went to this exposure camp, I played pretty well. I start basketball agents, literally cold callings. I'm picking up the phone and dialing their phone numbers to their offices or their cell phones and just trying to sell myself to them. Hey, I'm this guy. This is what I've done. Here's the collateral that I have. Here's my game footage. Would you sign me and represent me to help me play overseas? And that's what I was doing to get my first job in basketball. That's how I got on playing overseas. And then even sometimes after that, if I didn't have an agent at certain periods, I went and reached out to the teams myself directly and sold myself to get contracts. I did that as well. And I've written about this in my books. So I really had to learn how to sell myself. And I had to develop the skill of what we know as copywriting. I didn't even know it was, I didn't know it was a skill of using your words wow. to influence and persuade people to make a sale. I didn't know that was a thing. But I remember when I first saw some of my programs online and I met someone who was in the speaking business when I was starting to transition. I started selling programs probably about five years earlier than that. But she looked at the stuff that I was selling and she said, Dre, you're a good copywriter. You're good at writing copy. And I didn't even know I was good at writing copy. I just I just talked how I talked in a way that I'm just thinking, how can I influence a person? Because I was selling basketball training programs. That's how it started. How can I influence a, a 17-year-old basketball player to buy this dribbling program so he can get better at dribbling? What words do I need to use to influence them? I was just thinking that that was just a natural question that I asked myself. But I didn't know there was an actual industry of people who did this for a living. You know, so that's something that I was doing again back in 2005 because I'm writing emails and I'm changing up the subject lines and I'm changing up the way I formatted the email to see if I can get a response from an agent or a team. You know, so that was I was literally teaching myself copywriting and didn't even know it existed. It was a thing. So that that ability to sell myself has always been huge for me. 
And that is the first thing that I needed to even get into professional sports. Another thing was, I mean, it, it goes hand in hand with that is just building that brand and building that building that name and people knowing exactly what I'm about and what I stand for. Because when I started putting out content online, this is around the same time I started playing overseas, people started to, my name started to spread through word of mouth because basketball players would be watching me on YouTube and they'd just say, hey, this is random dude who nobody's ever heard of, but he looks like he can play. And he's putting out this content showing basketball players how to get better. And that's how I came to be known. You know, it's ironic. I tell people all the time, Grant, that more people know me through making YouTube videos in an empty gym here in Miami than they know me from actually playing professional basketball. Right. Wow. And you do all the work to become a pro athlete. But more people know you from YouTube. You know, than even. <laughs> so it's funny that it worked out that way. But really just letting people understand what I'm about. And when, once I started speaking in my videos, at first I was just on the court doing drills. But when I started talking and telling my story and explaining to people you know, how I did this, what was my mentality behind it? And like we opened this conversation, you asked me about mental toughness. That was the biggest thing when I started explaining to these players, like, listen, I didn't allow myself excuses. Yes, maybe I did have a coach who was hating on me, quote unquote, but I can't use that as an excuse because well, if I don't play the rest of my career, what, what am I going to blame it on the coach? Like nobody right. cares. Like they, all they care about is, uh, did you do something or did you not? You know, and all the times when I wasn't making a team, yeah, I could say, well, Hey, I was the best player at tryouts, but the coach didn't give me a spot. I could use that as an excuse, but no, who wants to hear that? Like nobody wants to hear that story. So what I had to do was double down on my efforts. How do I add more discipline so I can get better so that I can leave no doubt the next time I go to tryouts or confidence, you know, you work out, you practice all year to get one chance at a tryout. Your tryout might be one day or two days. So your 365 days of training comes down to two days. All right, how do you have the confidence to show up and perform in that moment when the lights are on and the pressure is on? So I started talking about confidence. So this is where mental toughness, discipline, confidence, all of these things came from. And they're the foundations of the work on your game philosophy. And then all of that with personal initiative, which means go in Make something happen instead of waiting for things to happen. Actually, you no, know, not sitting around hoping an opportunity finds you, but going and creating an opportunity on your own. That's again, that's a sales skill. And that's yeah. something that just to take you back here, even when I was a teenager, you know, my parents were, I told you, my parents were all about discipline, do your chores, do your homework, et cetera. And they weren't even sports people. But they told me when I was 15, 16 years old, like, hey, you got to get a job. As soon as you're old enough to get a job, you have to get a job. So I worked. I probably had 20 jobs in my life before pro basketball. And I'm an entrepreneur now. I haven't had it in a while, but I had a bunch of jobs, four jobs of those people. So I worked at you know, Pizza Hut, uh, restaurants, McDonald's, CVS, the movie theater. I've done all of that kind of stuff. And even right. in trying to get those jobs as a teenager, you know, you're going to the mall on the weekends walking into the store, asking for an application. Right, this is before you could apply on the internet. All right, this is when you yeah. had to go in the store. They gave you a little <laughs> sheet of paper. You had an ink pen in your pocket. You, you go to the food court, fill out the application, bring it back. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. they call it, right? You know those days, right? Oh, so yeah. I had, I had to do that. And so I had to learn how to sell myself through those applications. And then hopefully you get a call back for an interview. You had to sell yourself an interview. So I just selling myself is something that I've always needed to do, but I've always had a natural knack for sales. So, and uh, I'm going to wrap up this answer here. I know it's a long answer. <laughs> uh, around 2002, I had got invited to this, this network marketing meeting. And at those meetings, these people would talk about personal development. I didn't know that was a thing. Another thing I didn't know about. I was probably, what was I, 20 years old at this point. I never heard of personal development, but I'd always been interested in human psychology, just the way people think and how it leads to our actions. 
And that, that used to be the section in the bookstore. It was called human psychology. Now, just in the last you know, decade or so, they've added the personal development section. They didn't call it that. They didn't used to call it that. But anyway, people would name drop these authors who I'd never heard of. They would name drop people like Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy, Napoleon Hill, Zig Ziglar. I never heard of these people, but I started reading their books or I would go get their books and read them. And I remember reading this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And when I read that book, it, it sparked something in me. It said, it said to me, okay, this is what I need to be doing. When I'm done playing ball, this is what I'm doing next. I was still in college when I read that book. And I looked around at the adults around me. They all were the thing that I noticed about them. They were always talking about being at work. They were coming from work or about to go to work or talking about work. They never had any extra time on their hands. And they talked about and what they were doing all the time. They were at work, but they would talk about work as if it was this necessary evil. They didn't seem excited to go to work. They was, I have to go to work. And they would talk about work as it was this burden on them. And they would now hear my mom come home and you know, talk to her friends on the phone and complain about her coworkers every day. That was her normal thing to do. And I'm like, all right, these people don't seem excited about work, but they're always there. <laughs> they don't have any extra time and they didn't have any extra money. So I'm like, right, is this what I'm signing up for? I'm going to college so I can do this. I need something else. So when I read Robert Kiyosaki and I he explained just this concept of not don't always work for money, but figure out a way to make money work for you. Just a different mindset and the approach of how you can do business and still make money. I said, okay, however, whatever he's talking about, I need to do that. And even though he was mostly talking about real estate, the concepts still stuck in my mind. So when I got done playing ball, well, I knew when I was done playing ball, I was going there next. And luckily, you know, it was kind of the silver lining to a gray cloud was that there was a period in my career grant where I found myself unemployed. I didn't have a job in basketball. And that's when I started really focusing more on building my brand or now building a brand and selling products online. So I was doing that halfway through my career. So then I did get back on in pro ball, but now I had this, this thing on the internet. So by the time I got done playing ball, I already had momentum. So that's how I was able to smoothly transition. I don't answer like 20 questions there in one answer, but. No, man, that's, well, you, you answered a lot of questions, uh, but it, Dude, you just brought me back to my my childhood. I mean, I'm I I think I'm a little bit older than you, but man, like my first my first job was McDonald's, and um, I worked at Domino's Pizza. I worked in restaurants. I I mean, I I had tons of jobs. Um, right. That's what, and also my athletic career helped me in life just because of those experiences, you know. And so it, it just I forgot about all the times where I had to go and sell myself. I had to fill out that application and. A lot of times you didn't get a cult back, you know, and you couldn't control right. that process. Right. <laughs> right. So, man, it's a, that's a man. Thanks for bringing that back. Um, mm. You talk about content. Listen, like for my listeners, you have shit loads of content. I mean, tons. And, and I say a short amount of time. It's been a long time. But when you think about life, you have done so much like with almost 30 books uh, four Ted talks and all the keynotes that come with it. Um, countless of blogs and videos. Like, I mean, dude, you've like, you put it in fifth gear for a long time. And, but in the, and from the way that I look at it, it's all in service. You're, you're serving people's development. And so, and I think when we think about roles, husband, CEO, doctor, quarterback, whatever it is, I feel like the probably the best role in life is to be in service, is to serve people. So when you think about, again, I'm, I'm, I'm all about definitions here, but when you think about the word 
service or being in service? What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. The word service to me means giving people something that will help them be better after whatever they got from you. So whether that's you actually giving them a, a physical, tangible thing, whether it's you giving them an idea, whether it's doing something with them, doing something for them. To me, being in service just means giving people something that is valuable to and for them that hopefully they can continue to get value from even after you're not around anymore. Yeah. I love it. And now your, your company work on your game. Um, and I, and I love the hat that you had when you sent your introductory video to me, uh, which you probably can't say it on my show, but man, it, it, cause sometimes we need to really just hit it blank uh, right on the forehead with people like work on your goddamn game, like just work, work yeah. on it, you know? And so t- tell my listeners about just your whole company. I know there's a lot of different parts of it. And, and again, I, I get this sense of your essence. Like I get the sense of your motivation, but you know what? Like I want my listeners to know, like, why did you create this company called work on your game? Yeah. So I don't know which hat I had on when I made that video, but it's probably right there over my shoulder. One of those. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, uh, working your game came from, so, so I played ball from uh, 2005 to 2015. And it was around that 2009, 2010 period that I found myself unemployed. And that's when I started to do this that I do now, or I planted seeds for. And it was in 2009, I was in a 24 hour fitness down here in Miami. And I was just finishing a workout. It was like two, three in the morning. I don't know. I was just awake. So I'm working out two, three in the morning and I had my camera with me. And this is before we had video cameras on our phones. You had to have an actual camera and phone. So I had my camera with me in the gym. I just finished a workout and I just made this little two minute video. It's still on YouTube to this day where I was just talking to the players because I was getting a lot of players commenting on my content at the time. And they would just ask me for advice and help and tips on their game. And that's all I got every day is people asking for advice and help. And I made this video where I just explained, I just explained to the players, like, listen, uh, the reason why you're having trouble, the reason why you're not making the team, the reason why your teammates are not passing you the ball and all of that is because you are on YouTube watching me while I'm here in the gym practicing. Right, so you need to stop playing Xbox, stop standing on the corner, stop watching YouTube videos and go work on your game. And that's where I first said that phrase. And people love that phrase so much. And they started repeating it back in the comments and things like that. And it took me about a year to realize it. But I said, you know what? I need to just take that phrase. It perfectly encompasses exactly what I'm doing really using it and branding it. And that's what I did. So that's where when your game came from. And it's all about taking the mental assets that are necessary to succeed in sports, like discipline, confidence, mental toughness, personal initiative, and applying them at work and in everyday life. Because the good thing about those principles is that everybody needs them. Yes, an athlete needs them, but you don't have to be an athlete to you need discipline if you run the business. You need confidence if you're going to you know, be any type of performer. Anything where you perform, you got to be confident. Mental toughness for everyone because nobody's life is perfect, even though it may seem so from the outside looking in. And anyone who makes things happen in life has to be willing to take initiative. So this applies to everybody. So mm-hmm. that's how why working on your game just perfectly encompasses exactly what I'm about and what I've been sharing with people for the last, now it's been 17 years. Online. You know, when you think about work on your game, I mean, your, your game it, it could be anything. It could be in sports. It could be in the workplace. It could be in your relationship. Uh, it could be with your friendships, what marriage, whatever it is. Like there's a game. There's there's, there's a game that you can get involved with. And I think what I love about being a mental performance coach is 
that I get to work on the, the inside out game, right? So it's, it's, yeah, your game could be in front of you. It could be outside of you. It could be external. There's physical things outside of you. But what are you doing to get the inside lined up and grounded so you can actually take care of what's in front of you? So, um, right. so the, what, like, the fact that when you work on your game is not just the game in front of you. It's the game, the inside out game, right? Awesome. So, man, you've done so much. Like in its last 17 years, you're clearly building a legacy. So what do you want your legacy to be known for? If you were to move on from this, this beautiful earth, what do you want people to know Dre for? Well, what I want my legacy to be is that I gave people the game as it is, uh, unfiltered, raw, uh, no BS, no fluff. In such a way that you can take what I shared with you and you can see it coming before it happens and you could deal with things as they are, not as you wish for them to be. And you can be uh, more direct and clear with yourself. That's really one of the biggest things with me. And I, I tell people in my audience this all the time that no matter what the subject is, no matter what we talk about or who we're talking about, we always bring the conversation back to number one, which is the person in the mirror. Because the person in the mirror is the only person you actually control. You can't control your coach. You can't control your parents. You can't control uh, the government, the society as a whole. You can't control anyone other than you. So no matter what another person does or thinks or represents or feels or whatever, you still have to take ownership of yourself and your actions and the way that you think. Because the way that you think about a situation is the one thing that you always have control over no matter what's going on around you. So the legacy that I want to leave is that I've helped people. I would, I don't even like to say that I've empowered people that I have helped people empower themselves. That's the whole point of the work on your game message is that people can take that message in and uh, stop BSing themselves and stop uh, trying to self soothe by giving themselves rationalizations that make them feel better about a situation, but doesn't actually improve the situation. But let's look at the situation as it is. Look at yourself as you are. And let's figure out how we can make this better from its current position. That's what I want my legacy to be. Man, I love it, man. I love it. And when you think about everything, so your professional, like your entrepreneur life, athlete, um, your whole, your entire life. Like when you think about reflecting on all of that, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? Because you, you've clearly gone through a lot of stuff in your life. So what mm. do you think you've learned the most? What I've learned the most is, man, you just learn a lot about what you're capable of when you challenge yourself to do things other than you know what you've always done. So I challenged myself in 2009. I remember when Google slash YouTube, Google purchased YouTube, they first came out and said, all right, now we'll offer you ad revenue for your videos. Now I had put up videos sporadically at that point, but I thought to myself, well, I go to the gym every day, Grant. What if I try to put out a video every day? Now that's kind of a crazy idea, right? Who has 365 ideas for content, 365 days in a row? You know, right. that was the 8,000 videos ago, right? So wow. I, when I challenged myself to do it, I realized that I had a lot more ideas than I thought I did. But the thing is, and I talk about this in, in one of my books, is that the commitment becomes a discipline. Because you have to stick to the commitment, it actually becomes a discipline in itself. So you don't even have to force yourself to do it. All you have to do is just stick to what you committed to doing. And you're going to keep showing up and eventually it becomes a habit. So one of the things that I learned most about myself is that I had a lot more in me that I otherwise never would have brought out had I not been challenged and this those confluence of events had not happened the way exactly as it did. And that there's a lot of value that I had to offer 
and that I still have to offer, but I wouldn't know it if I hadn't put it out to the world. So uh, okay. thank God for the internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, and I wanted to ask you this earlier, but cause you've, you've written, I mean, man, like, I don't know where you get all the time with all the content you've done, but you have, you know, close to 20, uh, 29, 30 books. What's your favorite book that you wrote? Oh, the last one. <laughs> I always <laughs> right? tell people that the answer is always the same. So my last one was my book, the third day. And it is that the third day is my most popular framework inside of the work when you're getting framework. And this is all about uh, how do you show up and deliver, show up and deliver consistently, even when you don't always feel like it. Cause that third day, the, the metaphor is just those moments when you don't quite feel like going to the gym. Like right now we're in early, early in the year, a bunch of people started going to the gym again in January. We're already in February. A bunch of them stopped coming already. Right. So that right. third day is that moment when you realize that this thing is not going to be all fun and games, not always going to be easy. It's not going to be a cakewalk, but I still have to show up. So that third day mentality, how do you continually show up even when the energy and excitement and novelty is no longer there? And that's what that book is about. So that's my favorite for now, because that's the latest one. But when I write my next one, that'll be my favorite. Man, that's awesome. And what's next, dude? I mean, seriously, like with all the I mean, man, like I'm really impressed, man. I'm in the content business, man. And just to like go. I've seen people like do some incredible stuff. You have done a lot, like tons. So like what's next? Well, next for me is a, a few things. We got a, a couple projects under wraps that I'm working on trying to create some, how do I des describe it? Just creating some uh, applications and platforms that are based off of uh, some of my frameworks and materials. That's one thing. Really just building out my uh, university. It's work on your game university, which is where I have mastermind programs where people can work with me one-on-one, things like that. And some other pieces that I'm adding to that right now. And also just getting the message out about all of this stuff, work on your game the third day. Like I just talked about all this stuff. It was not like uh, Grant, when you heard from me, you hadn't heard of me before. So it's not like the whole right. world knows my name. You know, it's not like I can, I can walk in a mall and get mobbed. So I still got a lot, a lot more of the stuff that I already have still needs to get out to a lot more people. So it's not even so much that I need to create a whole lot of new stuff. I got to get the current stuff out and more visible to more people who need it. So all awesome. That. Awesome. And how do my listeners, how do they connect with you, follow you, buy your books, listen to your podcast, all of that? Well, people can get a free copy of my newest book if they just cover the shipping. Can I share that? Yeah, 100%. All right. So this is this is that book right here. Y'all been actually seeing it right there the whole time we've been talking. This is my newest <laughs> yeah. book called The Third Day, The Decision that Separates the Pros from the Amateurs. I'll give you a free copy of the paperback version of this book. You can get the hardback if you will. If you just put a third day book. Dot com. That's all spelled out. Thirddaybook.com. The book is free. All we ask is that you cover the shipping and we will ship this to you physically wherever you live. Again, thirddaybook.com. As far as me, I'm all over the internet. I got a whole bunch of different websites. I see you got one over there. You got one scrolling on the screen here. Yeah. But, uh, I'm on all the social medias. I don't use TikTok, but I'm on everything else. So Instagram is probably my most active because I use the stories function all the time. So if you really want to get a good feel for my, my personality, what my everyday is like, just go to Instagram and watch my story for a day or two and you'll get a, a really good feel. So I'm on and I'm on all the other social media platforms. I post on all of them uh, every day consistently. YouTube, I still put out videos every day. I think we're putting out two videos a day on YouTube, as a matter of fact, right now. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm everywhere on the Internet. Just look me up with your favorite <laughs> platform and I'm there. Right on, man. Right on. Well, Dre, man, thank you for sharing your, your energy, your mindset. Um, I, the, you know, the cool thing about having this podcast, I'm sure because, you know, you have your podcast as well is that I get a front row seat 
to people's journeys and all everybody's journeys is different. Uh, the different mindsets that people have to tap into and the frequencies they got to tap into. And I get to, I get to experience it, but also share it. So selfishly, uh, thank you for, uh, for, for being on my show and sharing your journey. Well, I'm really excited to have uh, gotten to share this time with you, Grant. I'm looking forward to hearing the feedback from your audience. Thank you. Absolutely. Right on. Thank you.